All right, well, good morning. Well, Thanksgiving is almost here, just four short days away. And with that, four weeks until Christmas. It's a little bit over four weeks. And even as I say that, for some of us in the room, our anxiety level starts to rise a little bit. Plans that have to be made, preparations that have to be done, cooking, traveling, thinking about gifts for Christmas, all those things start going through our mind. And as this time is supposed to be a time of thanksgiving, of happiness, of joy, of celebrating all of these things with our family, oftentimes the holidays are the exact opposite. Studies show that holidays are filled with stress, holidays are filled with depression and anxiety, and it's a time that really weighs on people. And I looked up, there's a Harris poll, I did a study a couple of years ago, and it found that three and five Americans would say that they would rather do anything else than spend Thanksgiving actually being thankful for what they have. Three in five Americans. 71% say the hol holiday season is a time of stress more than anything else for them. And they came out with the top four things of the top stressors, if you would, that they would have. And so as I'm going to read this, I'm going to ask for a little bit of crowd participation. If you would fall under this type of you would say, I agree with this. I have this type of stress during the holidays. I just want you to raise your hand, all right? The number four thing was travel. Does anybody stress out about travel? Is there anybody who just hates driving? They hate traffic. They hate doing any of that stuff. It's just not for them, all right? The second one is cooking. That the, the stress of cooking a meal just ruins the holiday form. I see two hands back there. I got you. Two hands. I love it. My mom would definitely fit under this category. My mom sends out a text. To, I'm the youngest of five boys, and so she sends out a, a text to all of us, and she says, put your request for, for sides and, and for desserts. And so being five of us, we all have a little bit different likes, and so she gets this big, long list, and she goes, okay, you'll have them. Every time we get there, there's like two. And somebody, and it's usually me, I'm the, I'm the bigger of the five, but I say, Mom, where's this? You said you're going to cook it. And then I get this same thing. If you want it, you can cook it yourself. <laughs> Sorry to bring it up. My mom stresses out on the cooking side. The number two thing was family. Having to see certain family members stresses them out. Anybody be honest on that one? I'm the youngest of five. I do not like seeing all the other four. I'll be honest, they're not going to see this. They're not going to have to hear it. And it's not really even just them that I don't enjoy seeing. It's the, the mini miniature versions of them that they did not spend the time, you know, parenting to tell, hey, you don't do that. Um, but I fall into that. What about, is there like one family member? Let me ask, is there is anybody the one family member that just, ah, I just do not want to see this one? I do not want to get set at the table by this one person. Anybody? As I was studying, I was reading, and this, this joke came back to me, and it said, usually everybody has that one family member that they don't want to sit by. 
whether it's a brother, it's a sister-in-law, brother-in-law, maybe it's a cousin, depending on how big the extended family gets, but there's that one family member that you just don't want to sit by. And if you can't think of that person, you're probably it for somebody else. So if you couldn't raise your hand, that might not be, that might not be the best. The number one thing that was the biggest stress for Thanksgiving time is buying gifts. Anybody fall into that? They're already stressing about Christmas presents, and they're so stressed out about buying Christmas presents that they can't be thankful on Thanksgiving. Again, at my house, something crazy happens. After we get done eating, after the big meal, before all the dishes are done, the, the little ads come out, right? These are the deals. And my sisters-in-laws, they will spread them out on the table, and they'll start working up their plan. It's like they're, it's like they're about to like do a, like an assault <laughs> on the shopping centers in the city. They've got like the weather, they've got the wind, they've got visibility, they've got all the different things on how they are going to launch their attack to go get the best deals. They, they get on the map, they start timing out, it's unbelievable. And these things, as they're fun to joke about, the reality is, if we're not careful, these things, they still hurt joy during the holiday season. The, the anxiety of having to handle these types of things. And maybe your big anxiety of the holiday season is not one of these four. Maybe it's something else on the list, and maybe it's unique to you. But if we're not careful, we will let this little thing steal our joy for the holiday season. Because if we're honest, as a society, we are just not a thankful society. We're just not. I know for me, I have a great iPhone, but there is now a new iPhone out that is better than my iPhone. That bugs me. I hate that it bugs me, but it bugs me. When I go to Best Buy, I've got to stay away from the TV section because although I have a great TV, there is a bigger, better, brighter TV that I know I can't afford, but I will go through the process trying to figure out my budget. Can I make that monthly payment? Yeah, I've got three, but that fourth one, that's the TV I need. Think about how great the game's going to look on that fourth TV. We are a society that is materialistic that wants more and more and more. And it robs us of truly being thankful for what we have. If you have your Bibles today, I want you to turn over to Luke 11. And we're going to look at a story here with Jesus where people should truly be thankful but yet we don't see that response. And Jesus gives us a warning in these scriptures and throughout his word about falling into the sin of unthankfulness. So Luke 17, we'll be starting in verse 11. Luke, oh my bad, Luke 17, starting in verse 11. All right, it says, while they, tra- while, they will tra- while traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with serious skin disease met him. They stood at a distance and raised their voice, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. 
When he saw them, he told them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And while they were going, they were healed. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned with a loud voice, gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, thanking him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the, where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And he told him, Get up, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. It says, While traveling Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with a serious skin disease met him. As we look at the serious skin disease, we can come up with the context clues that they were lepers. They had leprosy. Very serious skin disease. And you have these ten men, and they see Jesus walking into the city, walking into the village. And at a distance, they shout, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So Jesus, Master, they they shout, they exclaim, they, they, they yell out to Jesus to have mercy on them. You see, these ten men would have heard of Jesus. We know this because they call him Jesus, Master. We know that they knew that Jesus would have the ability to heal them. And so they see them and they, they see him and they cry out to him to have mercy on them. And as I read this, my first thought was, why do they yell at Jesus? If I, if I need something, if somebody has something that I need, I'm going to get up and I'm going to take the, the initiative and the time to, to run over to him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the work to get to him. I'm not just going to see them walk by and just say, help me, please, help me. But these people, it tells us they stopped and they yelled to Jesus. Well, we know a little bit of why that they would have yelled. Being lepers, if you go back into Leviticus 13 and 14, there's strict rules, strict laws, strict things that a leper in, in their society, in their culture, had to abide, abide by. They had to stay at a distance. They were not allowed to come up to people. There was things that they had to, to wear. There was things that they had to, how they had to do their, their, their hair. There were strict rules that they had to go by. And being a leper, at any time that they would want to enter a place that had people around, they had to shout, unclean, unclean, as they would walk in. They'd actually have to take their garment and they'd have to put it over their mouth and shout, unclean. Think about that for a minute. Think about if every time that you had to walk in, anywhere you're going, that you had to tell everybody in the room that you were unclean. How much fun is your day going to be? Think about it in the context of this morning. As you sat down today, you, got, you had to lean over to your neighbor and be like, hey, I'm unclean. <laughs> okay, good to know you. I'm going to sit over here. It's not because of you. I'm just going to sit over here. You'd have a wide, wide range around you. That was the life of these lepers. Not only do they have the serious skin disease that they had to deal with, not only do they have the pain and agony of that, they also had the pain and agony of being an outcast from society. They had to live in their own area outside of the village. They couldn't even stay inside of the village. They couldn't associate with people. And even to the fact that if you didn't have leprosy and you weren't deemed unclean, if you came in contact with a leper, you had to go through a big, giant process just to be considered clean again. Even if you didn't have leprosy and you just came in contact with them, you had to yourself be, go, be cleansed of that by the priest. 
This is a huge issue for a leper. And so you can imagine the desperation that they're calling out to Jesus in this. This isn't just a, hey, master, have mercy on us. Okay, did you hear me? Cool. No, they would have given everything. Jesus, have mercy on us. Please, you have the power to change our lives. You have the power to change my circumstances. You have the power to be the complete game changer right here. Please have mercy on me. And Jesus responds to him. He said, go and show yourselves to the priest. And while they were going, they were healed. You see, this go and show yourselves to the priest, they had another process that they had to go through. As they got to the priest, it was going to be over a week process for them to be considered not just healed, but clean in society. If you want to read in Luke or Leviticus 14, it is a lengthy, lengthy process that they had to go to. It took, takes over a week. It's expensive. It actually has two parts. It has if you can afford this one or if you can afford this one because it is a process to go through for these to be considered unclean. Clean. Because everywhere they went, they were called unclean, unholy, outcasts. And so Jesus tells them, go and see the priests. Go and start this process. And it says, one of them noticing that he was healed, turned around and gave praise to Jesus for what he did. One of them. And Jesus even asked, where are the other nine? Weren't there, weren't there ten? But only one has come? Where are the other nine? I think that's a valid question. I think that's a question that we need to ask ourselves in a sense of, are we, one, are we the one or are we the nine? So oftentimes that God blesses us with things in our life, and, and maybe it's something small, maybe it's something large. But are we, in that moment, turning around and giving praise to God for what he just did in our life? Or are we going on to enjoy the benefits of the blessing that we just got? Are we more focused on the blessing that we just received in our life, or are we more focused on the one who blessed us? It says nine turned and left. Only one came back. Crazy is the one that came back was a Samaritan. He was a foreigner. He was someone who wasn't even really supposed to be there. He was even a kind of a double outcast in that society. As a Samaritan wouldn't have been really accepted whether he was clean or unclean. It says the Samaritan was the one that turned back and gave thanks to Jesus. And guys, if we're not careful, if we're not doing everything that we can to stay in the right set of mind, we can fall in to the sin of unthankfulness. We can fall into the sin of being thankful, yes, for a blessing, but not really thankful for the one who blessed us. Enjoying the benefits of living in our materialistic society instead of praising God for giving us all that we have, even more than we actually need. And so if you're taking notes, I know I didn't get fill in the blanks for you, but the first thing I want you to write down is number one is unthankfulness is a sin. Unthankfulness is a sin. If you've got Bibles, turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Second 
2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul writing to Timothy, but says, But known this, hard times will come in the last day, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanders without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the firm of godliness but denying its power. Avoid these people. So Paul is, is, right, is telling to me, giving him a list of basically the sins that you're going to see in people as the end times come near. The days are going to get harder and harder and harder the closer that we get. And I bet if we all would have sat down before reading 2 Timothy chapter 3 and said, write a list of sins that you think that you're going to see of people as we get closer and closer to the end times, I, I doubt very many of us would have put ungrateful or unthankful. Because I don't think it's really a sin that we think about a lot. I don't think that we just in our minds really consider being unthankful, ungrateful a sin. But we see in this verse that it's up there, ungrateful, unthankful. It is a sin. It's a sin to be unthankful for what God has given us. It's a sin to be unthankful for what God's doing in our life. It's a sin to be ungrateful for all the things that God is doing, has done, and wants to do for us. It's, it's just right there. And as Pastor Mark taught us a couple weeks ago, it, Scripture tells us to be thankful in everything, not necessarily for everything, but that we're supposed to be thankful in everything. It's like the story that I remember here when I was young, you got these two guys that were crossing over uh, one pastor going to the next. And as they got about halfway through this pastor, they, they realized they made a huge mistake, that they just hopped into the pastor that held the bull. And so as they were walking, they see this bull coming up over the, the hill. And knowing that they made a mistake, one guy looks to the other and says, man, you better start praying. You better start praying right now. And so they get going, and the guy that he's telling to pray, not really a, a churchgoer or a follower or, or a believer, he starts trying to rack his mind about how to pray. Now, I don't pray. What do I say? What do I do? And they take off running. And right as the bull gets, right as it's rearing up, this memory pops into his mind of his dad praying at the dinner table before, before a meal. And the guy shouts out just in fear, and in, in his last moment it says, Dear Lord, let us give thanks for what we're about to receive. Not, not quite right. Not necessarily supposed to be thankful for everything. Why? Because life's hard. Life's tough. Trials happen. Seasons of life happen. We lose loved ones. Maybe we lose a job. Maybe someone's sick. The dark days, the dark clouds start to come through. It's hard to be thankful for that. It's hard to be thankful for the things in our life that causes pain and anxiety and fear. 
But God calls us to be thankful in everything, meaning to be thankful for him in everything. That we have a Lord and Savior who loves us, who is there on our behalf, that is petitioning for us, even to the Father. But the reality is, being unthankful, having a, a spirit of unthankfulness is ultimately it's a sin, and it's something that we have to work on. The second thing is unthankfulness has consequences. As all sin does, unthankfulness has consequences. In Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1 and verse 24, or 21, says, For they knew God, for though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became nonsense, and their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to become wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God delivered them over in their cravings, or in the cravings of their hearts, to sexual impurity, so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. Paul here is showing in Romans the, the kind of a process, the how man became separated from God. And in verse 21, it says, For they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. So they knew God, but they, they stopped glorifying him, and they became unthankful. And the consequences we see is one that they're, Thinking became unwise, became senseless, became nonsense. But we also see in verse 28, it says, Because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a worthless mind to do what is morally wrong. In other words, since they stopped praising God, as they stopped acknowledging God in their life, they started creating idols in their life. Instead of being thankful for what God has given them, they started putting their hopes and trust in the things that they could see. And we see that in our lives. We also see that in Scripture. As you go back and you look at the Israelites, as their process as they came out of, or out of Egypt throughout the 40 years into the Promised Land, how many times did they go along this same path? How many times did they stumble and fall and, and walk away from God? And the process was always there. God would do something great. God would do something amazing. And then slowly the Israelites would start to turn away from God, start to walk away from God. And life got harder and harder and harder for the Israelites. And God would take his hand off more and more from the people. And then they would have a great moment. They, they would need help. They'd turn back to God. God would show up big and show his power and show this amazing moment of God. And boom, they'd be right back there. And then time would come again. That over and over and over again as they would fall more and more away from him. As we look at our lives, if we're being honest, how many of us could say that we could relate to that? That there's times in our lives where we know we're not going to get through the day unless God gives us some divine intervention right now. Maybe he strengthens you. Maybe he gives you the words to say in this moment. Maybe he stops you for saying these words in another moment. Maybe you're looking at your bank account and, and the bills and, and trying to get food and it's just not adding up. And we have these moments in our lives where 
we need God to work, and we, we cry out to God, and we, 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 just like these ten, God, have mercy on us. I need you in this moment. I need you to come up and do something huge in this moment. God, have mercy on me. Please come and help me. Please come and do this for me. And God shows up. God shows off. Maybe it's not in the way that we thought he was going to, but sure enough, God's there. And the question is, in these moments, are we the nine or are we the one? Are we happy that, that God showed up? Or do we truly fall down on our knees, fall down on our face, and praise God for the amazing blessing that he just did in our life? You see, it's easy to become unthankful. There's multiple reasons why we become unthankful. As I sat down and started to list the reasons of why I think that we can become unthankful, the list was too long to go through every one of them. Because the, the, the reasons are endless. Satan is very good at what he does. Satan is very good at lying to us. Satan is very good to getting us to look just a little bit to the left of what God's truly doing in our life. And so oftentimes we become entitled, and we start to think that God owes us something. I believe for my life, and from what I see, that's the number one issue that stops us from being thankful, is we get this sense of entitlement. And it's because we showed up to church on Sunday, God's going to do this. Or, if, hey, God, if I stop doing this, then that means you're going to do this for me. Or, God, if you'll just help me out right here, I'll never miss another Sunday. God, if you'll just help me out right here, I will serve, I will do Sunday school, I will go back with the, the little kids after church, I will do whatever you want me to do as long as you just help me out right here. And we know from Scripture that God's going to uphold his part. We know that God has plans for us to, to bless us, to, to bring us joy, to deliver us from evil. We know that even though it might not look the way we want it to, that God's going to do his part. But how often do we do ours? How often do we follow through with that? Like that we even have the power to make a contract with God like that. That we even have anything that God needs, like he has that we need, that we can be able to say, God, I'll give you this if you give me that. That comes from a sense of entitlement. That comes from a sense of pride. It ultimately leads to a heart of unthankfulness because we stop remembering who really holds the power in everything that we do. Guys, we need to be thankful just for the air that we breathe. Like the song that we just said, it's your breath in my lungs. So I'll pour out my praise to you only. And I love that song. I love that line. Every time I hear that line, I get goosebumps. Because it reminds me that even though I get to take a breath, it's from him. How often do you take breathing for granted? You really don't take breathing for granted unless you just got done, like, working out or doing something, and you can't breathe. For some of us, you're like me, getting up off the couch, you just can't breathe anymore, so you, whew, I need a breath. You don't take breathing for granted until, it be, until you realize it is a necessity of life. So oftentimes, you breathe 99% of the day you breathe and you don't even realize it. Your brain is wired to just keep breathing, keep breathing, 
It is a response that just happens over and over again until you can't breathe for some reason. My biggest fear is drowning. There's a lot of ways that you go, my biggest fear is drowning. And when I get into the water, it takes about two seconds, and I start freaking out because I cannot breathe. I'm, I just go, I sink right to the bottom. There's not a lot of swimming for me. It's crazy how oftentimes we take breathing for granted. It's our thank, unthankful spirit. And I'm not saying if every time you pray, you don't say, God, thank you for allowing me to breathe, that it's a sin. That's not what I'm saying. Where it becomes a sin is when we don't understand that it's because of God that we can breathe. That he truly does put the breath in our lungs and gives us everything that we need each and every day. The third thing is true thankfulness is focused on God, not us. When you read the story of the, the, the ten lepers, I think you could make an argument that to some extent they were all kind of thankful. I mean, if you, if you just had leprosy healed, at least for a brief moment, you're going to be thankful. But God only recognized, Jesus only recognizes one of the lepers because the one turned back to him and falls on his face and praises him for what he did. And the nine is, is a thought process that we can get to pretty quick. The nine is thinking, I just, I just had this skin disease removed from my life, and I got to get to the priest next. That's, that's the next thing on the list. Because scripture says that just as Jesus made them unclean, he sends them to the priest, because Jesus knows the scripture, that they have to go to the, the priest to become become deemed clean in society. So as Jesus sends them to the priest, they know that they've got about an eight-day process to go through to where they can get back in society and go about their normal life. They had to be excited. I mean, the, the thoughts of what they're going to do, the thoughts of what was about to happen, the, you know that they probably dreamed about this day coming where they could go to the priest and start their process to be considered clean again. But Jesus recognizes that the true thankfulness comes when it's focused on him. And guys, I want to tell you, we are a blessed people. We have more in our society than any society that we, that we have recorded in history. We have more stuff. We have better health care easy to get food and shelter. We don't have to want for a lot in our society. And so oftentimes, this right there, I think, steals our spirit of thankfulness. As we, as Christians, need to be the one. We need to be the one in society that's set apart to the point where people ask, why are you so thankful? Why is there so much joy in your life? Why are you so happy? Why are you so always just thankful for what you have? Because I promise you, and you know just as well as I do, that is not the norm. And that sense of thankfulness 
is only going to enrich your life, make you more effective for the Lord. But God can use that to enrich someone else's life. To show them that there's more out there than what they're settling for. There's more out there than what TV is telling them that they need. That there is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who loved us so much that he came to earth and died on the cross for us. If we have nothing else, that is more than enough to be thankful. Just like Job, as he had everything taken away from him, all of his materialistic stuff, he had everything taken away from him, he was still praising God. And as I pray that we never get to that point of having everything taken away, I, I also pray that I would still be thankful in that time. That if I lost everything, that my lips would still praise God and not curse God. That I would still look to him as my Lord, my Savior, and never get into a mindset, but God, didn't I do this for you? Or didn't I do that? But no, thanking God that even though my life not, might not be where I want it to be, I still have him at all times. So as the band's going to come back up, they're going to lead us another song. I'm going to ask you to, to bow your head. We're going to go into just a time of prayer.